Real Clear Fetish um, is a sober alternative to fetish play. Um, and this series is called Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play, which is a about sober sex, um, why you might choose to have sober sex, why um, it is um, your choice, or um, if you've had issues around that subject. Um, I t have a guest every week. There should be around eight episodes. Uh, this is my second episode. Here we go. My guest is now online. Uh, let me just do a quick introduction before we start. This is Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play. It is a discussion um, between me and a guest. This evening is uh, Lever underscore Kaiser that's joining us. Um, as you can see, he's just said hello. Um, and this is just uh, an open discussion about what he may have looked at it, uh, what the subject is. I'm going to invite him in now. Uh, so please do welcome him in. Hello. Hey. We got there. Finally. Finally. Why, why don't you have a phone that supports the app? Because I'm an old-fashioned git. Oh, bless, you. <laughs> bless you. You're a proper old guard, aren't you? Uh, yeah, at least old, for sure. <laughs> You're not old. Shut up. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Um, it's great to have you on here uh, to have this little discussion uh, we're going through. I'm going to start with like four questions, just standard, which I will do in each episode. Uh, my first question would be, uh, what do you prefer I call you? That would be name, pronouns, and title. Uh, just, uh, you can call me Stefan and ask him. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I'm from Madagascar originally. I'm partly French as well. And I've been in London for 16 years now. So I'm a proper Londoner now, isn't it? <laughs> um, of course, I'm a fetishist. I'm into leather and bondages, bondage as well. And yeah, I've been living in London for 16 years. I haven't moved anywhere else. So I've been working here. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, Cool. Um, one question, and you can answer it as how you want to answer it. Uh, completely sober, clear-headed, or a social drinker? Um, I used to be a social drinker, um, but then a year ago I found out I've got diabetes, so I'm completely sober now, so I don't drink any oh. alcohol. Cool. Yeah, there's different guests, different reasons for maybe not stop, stopping drinking, and that's, a, that's a, definitely a reason for it. Uh, and the last question, what is clear play to you and why is it important? That kind of will shoot us into like our, our talk now. This is more, what would you want to talk about? What do you think is in this subject we're going to discuss tonight? Uh, what is real clear play, play to you and why is it important? Uh, for me, clear play, in my case, is particularly regarding um, bondage, because to me, as if I dumb somebody and tie them up, I completely need them to be sober in terms of alcohol, but also in terms of taking any recreational drugs. Um, for me, it's the safety side of it. So 
equally, if I'm being a subbing, um, I need to know when maybe ropes are getting tied. I need to feel it. So for that reason, I need to be completely sober, alcohol-wise, but also when it comes to drugs. Um, personally, I've never done drugs. Um, and part of it is probably because I know my addictive side. I mean, the amount of leather <laughs> I've accumulated over the years kind of shows that I can be addictive, uh, addicted to the things. So um, as a result, I decided never to try. Maybe. Well, if, if I'd been that clever, I don't know. I'm, and my life might have turned out a little bit differently. <laughs> well, yes, you can, you, can, you can blame my grandmother who used to say that. <laughs> well, blame your grandmother then. Uh, well, it's, 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 it's very good that you know you have a, an addictive side. I, I do find, especially a lot of fetish men can be quite like they center on something very like people center on leather center on rubber it can and i'm i meet a lot of fetish guys who are very geeky and that's kind of comes from that as well you kind of focus on one specific thing and you're really into it um so it, it kind of makes sense that some fetish men can have addictive personalities um if i'd known i didn't think i was I, I was very much like, oh, no, no, I don't have an addictive personality and see what that brought me. It just, but I'm, I'm, I'm sober now and, and I'm much more happy in my skin and, and so on. You say you live here in London, you lived here for a long time. I know with London comes a quite, um, I'm not going to demonize people who use drugs because that is their prerogative. It's, it's for them to find out which path they yeah. do. But especially in London, it, it can be very, very difficult to find people who don't want to, who choose not to play on drugs. How do you find navigating that in London? Um, I've been to parties where, sex parties, but also um, non-sex parties, where people would recreationally um, take cocaine or ketamine. In fact, um, I went to a party with um, at one of my exes um, uh, flat, and that was my first encounter with a party, you know, a chem party. Yeah. I didn't know because if I did, I probably would have stayed away. But um, I went and I saw my ex partner um, snort something on his finger. For me, because I, I, I didn't know anything about that scene at all, for me it was cocaine, but it wasn't, it was ketamine actually. Yeah. But then mixed with uh, drinking that night, he ended up passing out. And we had been together for maybe a few months. Yeah. Picked out. And I was 20, it's probably 23, 24. That must have been scary. Yeah, not, not, not having much experience with that scene, I was literally, you know, I dived into it by attending that party. And, yeah, he, he passed out for a few hours, um, said, just said to me, oh, can you take me to the bedroom and drop me on, on, the, on the bed, mm. which I did. And I was like, what do I do now? So that kind of freaked me out a little bit. 
So it's another reason why I never tried as well. And on the other hand, there are people who have been who tried drugs and never got to the point where they became addicted. Mm, yeah, there's people who are quite so, lucky like that. Yeah, it doesn't become so. For me, again, it goes back to the fact that I feel like uh, I would easily, if I enjoy it, which is the reason why you know people try, um, then I might just. You know, my mind might just go back to it any time I feel like, oh, I'm a bit old. So that's why I never really tried it. Another, um, another example that comes to mind is um, a fun party that I attended with the other guys. And they, again, we were, there was no conversation before we went to meet. And when I got there, halfway through, they said, do you mind? Which is very nice of them to, to say. Do you mind if we, we try some chems? And I was like, okay, okay I'm not going to take any, but if that floats your boat, then fine. Yeah. Um, and I remember them taking some liquid, which, which I kind of found out later on. That it must have been G, yeah. GHB. Yeah, it would be GHB. And... That worked for them, but within five minutes, what I could see from my sober side was someone with a jaw that's moving that freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and kind of fell asleep. He kind of felt half asleep on the bed. Mm. I'm like, what do I do? And again, at, at that point in my mind, I had two people talking. I had the, the, the guy saying, oh, get out of there before you get tempted to do anything else. Yeah. Oh, and the other guy saying kind of, you know, that's the way they want to play. So why are you judging them? It's, kind of it's, it's very like in London, it, beco it becomes normalized. It's, it's, it's not, it, I, I very much remember the first time going to a house party, a little bit similar to you, where it was just, it was almost like when you reach, come to a party and there's an aperitif of some sort, in this case, it was, in this case, it was a glass plate with cocaine on it, um, and and similarly, I was around twenty four when that happened, um, and and there's nothing wrong with having um, that type of interaction, and and if you're in a safe space with the right people, um, but it is dangerous normalizing something that can be very destructive, especially if you have an addictive personality. Um, you mentioned that because you're diabetic now, you, you stop drinking as well. How are you finding, like, for example, you, you mentioned in your description, uh, I posted on Instagram, that you are one of the original uh, organizers of the uh, fetish so uh, lever social. Um, how do you find being in that space without drink? I know how difficult it was for me to start with because people can be quite actually quite rude about it i think um for me it's it's not it's never been an issue okay. because i've never been a big drinker anyway um what i would normally eat when i could when i felt like i could drink i would probably have a pint of uh, cider i don't even drink beer or even and a stronger alcohol um the first time I ever had a contact 
the contact with alcohol was when I was 23, which is very late. <laughs> I, um, I wish I could say that. I was, I, I, I must have been 13. And um, he was my university friend who said to me, um, you're 23, you haven't tasted alcohol? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it in is the, very um, rare to run into someone who hasn't done that. At that yeah. point, yes, that is probably a fair assessment. But well done, though. That is. And I thought, and I thought loosen up. Let's have some uh, alcohol. <laughs> uh, so he managed to make me drink uh, Shandy, <laughs> which was my first drink. It's not really alcoholic, I guess. But um, and since that moment, um, when I moved to London, it was a big shock because in France, my friends from university hardly drank either. They might have a glass of wine, mm. maybe. They didn't mind if I didn't. They, we didn't have that kind of um, um, pressure from your friends to drink, which I thought was different when I came to London. Because you'd go out and it's almost like people felt like you're not part of the group if you don't drink yeah. alcohol. Yeah. And I thought, but I'm drinking. I'm have a, I have a drink. If I didn't have a drink, then yeah, it's a bit odd. But I have a drink. It just happens to be a drink without alcohol. So somebody I worked with, I can't tell you which. <laughs> don't which you place, share what you're <laughs> comfortable with being online. Let's, yeah. let's say like... But someone, basically, that person was my line manager and that person became my drinking mentor. So, mentor, oh dear. This is someone I worked with, and she said, He was my line manager, so I was like, uh, This is a bit odd, but hey, okay. So, we used to go clubbing a lot, and the objective for that person was to get me to drink some alcohol. Unfortunately, after three years, she failed <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, pretty much. The most alcoholic drink I had at the time was probably a spin of ice. Um, at which point, you know, you know, the people I worked with would be probably smashed. Um, but it's ne it's never been it's never been a thing for me just to drink because because ultimately the way I see it is that if you ha if I'm having fun somewhere. Um, is it because I'm having fun because I had a drink? Or is it because I'm having fun because I'm enjoying this gathering or space or activity? Because if, if I don't enjoy it that much, why, do you, why would I go out there and actually spend time doing that activity? Whatever it is, it could be social gatherings, it could be parties, it could be... Even sports, why would I go there if I need something to make it enjoyable? Yeah. But as the way I see it, um, I think a lot of people think, oh, if I go to a party, I'm feeling a bit self-conscious, which is the case of everybody, right? Um, and then, you know, alcohol or drugs make me feel a bit loose, which she does well, yeah, at the beginning. It's, 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 there's a reason it, reason that alcohol yeah. is called Dutch car courage. It just loosens the courage. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, there, there you go. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, sorry. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm sure that that's what it's called. Um, 
yeah, for, for me, so, when, when I had to give up alcohol, I, I celebrated three years without alcohol recently, um, which was, it, it's quite a milestone, especially as a, as a Danish person, where it's, <laughs> it's literally like, it's, you're almost weird if you haven't been completely plastered by maybe 14. Um, it's, it's just, we, we have like one of the highest rate of youth drinking. It's, it's, it's horrendous. Um, really? and, and so it's, it's all of a sudden taking that away. All of a sudden I was, I realized how often I, have I actually been in a bar atmosphere being completely clear headed and just had to rely on my own self confidence and just being okay with being in that setting. Um, that took me a long time to learn and I sometimes still struggle with that. But um, I think part of it as well is a cultural thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, because in Madagascar, if you said to your friends, I mean, when I left, I was about 14, so I didn't drink. But, um, you know, kids want to experiment. Yeah. But you might do it once and figure out, that's it, yeah? Uh, as opposed to in France, for example, it's a cultural thing to drink wine. Yeah. So people are introduced to alcohol earlier. Um, in Madagascar, it wasn't at all. And it was even, if I, even if I was older when I lived there, because I was 14 when I left, if I said, uh, if I was 20 and I said to my friends, well, let's go to the bar, that just has a really negative connotation. It's not a case of, are oh, you just going to hang out? It's that you're not going to the bar. So it's, it's part of it is a cultural thing. I, I assume that in, in the Nordic countries, when winter comes, there's not much else to do <laughs> to entertain yourself. Not, not particularly, so, no. It's, it's very, Danish culture is you do it from home and then you go out and then you top it up whilst you're out. Um, it's, 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 but you say like, when you say like, let's meet at the pub or at the bar and, and people kind of assume, well, then it's definitely heavy drinking you are asking about. That in itself can be problematic. Um, one of the things I've done is, and you've attended uh, some of my sober socials, where I all of a sudden take the fetish hanging out bit and just take it out of the pub scene and just put it somewhere where there's no access to alcohol and it's own non-alcoholic drinks. And I'm, I'm quite surprised that for me, it's because I'm in recovery and it's just something I have to check in with once in a while and just make sure I'm doing things for the right reasons and I don't end up drinking or doing drugs. But I, I've met people with different reasons, like people just don't drink or um, they struggle with social anxiety. So drink will just, make they will overcompensate and drink too much um and there's a good example like you where you you become diabetic so you've just chosen not to have the alcohol because there's so much sugar in it so it's yeah. it's it's more finding the middle ground and how to be in that atmosphere if you just don't have the choice of relying on alcohol to feel comfortable i mean in theory i could or even practically i could uh... Mm. I just need to make sure that afterwards I eat something slightly sweeter to kind of balance it out. Mm -hmm. But it's just that for me, for myself, I don't feel the need of it. Yeah. Um, 
that anxiety when you first turn up to a place where you don't know anybody and that happens to everybody including me so when i first moved to the uk i was very shy and yes i spoke the language but it's a language that i learned at school it was I didn't feel like I was fluent. Sometimes I couldn't really understand what people were saying. So that adds an extra layer of anxiety when you first come to a country where you're like, do I actually know the language? <laughs> um, so the, the logical path there is that you don't go and talk to people. But in my head, I was thinking, if you don't do that, if you don't make the effort of going to talk to people, then one, your English is not going to improve. Two, you're not going to make friends. Uh, I was very shy when I was at university, up to university. I would, have, I would be fine with my friends, but outside that, I'd be very quiet. Um, yeah, I, I, I so, recognize that. I, I'm very much the same. If I, I go to the level social, I'll know everyone. I, I'm a fairly social person when I know people. But put me in a group where I might just know one. I can I can sometimes completely shut down. I'm just not enjoying it, and I'll be stuck in the corner, looking at my shoes, not interacting, and just get so much anxiety and so wound up by it that I can't do anything. I mean, nice shoes though. <laughs> my, best West, my best West goes absolutely. As people people have commented, they can see them. So I know. Yeah. I'm. I'm less because I feel like I'm, I haven't stressed so the background as much as you. Oh, oh I really <laughs> place the camera this way. Trust me. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's a, it's a normal thing to react that way when you go to a new environment or an environment where you don't know, you're not familiar with a lot of things. So it's not it, it's a normal thing to feel like you're anxious when you go <laughs> a bit sharp and reserved until you feel like you can actually just mingle. Um, but, you know, you met me at the Leather Social. My job there with Steve is to to make people feel comfortable and just to go up and speak to them. And uh, I've never seen them before. I don't know what they're there for. Is it by accident? Are they into leather? Are they admirers, but they don't have leather? Mm. So it's, it's one of the things that I learned to do it's not something that's natural to me. And I mean, can you imagine if I, I, I liked having lots of drinking, drinking and, you know, people turn up and I don't even see they're there. <laughs> my, I've, my job is I've to... done that. I've, I've been <laughs> a party and not kind of next day. I'm just like, I don't even know who I talk to. Um, and yeah. it's, it's not a nice feeling because you kind of feel like you were there, but you weren't really there. Why did you even go if you can't fucking remember any, anything? Um, you say you moved here, you moved here around 14, you said. I, I left Madagascar at 14, but I lived in France for eight years. Okay, cool. Before. When, when, when did you start engaging with uh, fetish and so on? You say you're a very shy person. Did this help you in any way? Uh, um, it's kind of giving up, giving my age, <laughs> but There's when no age uh, gaming here. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep things kind of uh, 
a mysterious I, I'm, I'm just going to say um, what I normally say. If you want to know someone's age, just bend them over and count the rings. <laughs> I'm not a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not that ring what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, um, when, when I left Madagascar, I was about 14. Sorry, what's the question again? Okay, no. With lever, and you say you, you suffered with scars oh, yeah. and so on. When, when, when did you start doing lever? Um, basically, I've always thought there was something in it that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what or how how it came about, but um, my dad used to collect leather jackets. Oh. And he used to travel a lot, so... When he wasn't there, I would go to his closet and then wear one of them. I've heard like, this story before from other people. <laughs> and I don't know, I thought, oh, this smells really good. And, and one day, my grandma bought me a leather jacket. Uh, you were supposed to be for special occasions, like going to church or somebody's wedding. But she went to the market once, and I went to the... Um, to the cupboard and then picked it up, put it on and just strolled around the, the flat with it on. And this, I remember her coming back earlier than expected and said, what are you doing? Put it back where it came from. Like, What's that? <laughs> That's church like, alone. How dare you? <laughs> and so it's always been there. The first time I realized there was an attraction was probably around the age of 10, 11. And the first time I wanked was with leather gloves. I didn't know what wanking was. I was very naive as a child. I think most don't um, <laughs> But, you know, one thing led to another. I wore those gloves and started rubbing a particular area. And I thought, oh, this is nice. Carried on and things happened. At which point I freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I saw that one. I freaked out the first time as well. I was like, what is happening? Something's coming out of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for a week, I couldn't speak. And then I told my grandma, because uh, she's the one who raised me. And she kind of laughed. <laughs> I didn't I'm sure she did. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell her that I used, you know, leather gloves and things. But she was like, oh... That's a bit early. You're 12. But uh, hey, that's okay. Don't worry. We'll take you to the doctors because they didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so my mom took me to the doctors and the doctors. I remember him saying in the background, oh, that's a bit early as well. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, has, been, has always been there and from that age, 10, 11. And being shy, I think the internet helped a lot. Because when you're not face to face, it makes things slightly easier. The first time I met somebody was when I was 18. Because I said to myself, I will not be doing anything before that. Um, Very admirable. And, see, I'm special. <laughs> I, I, I was straight in there, trust me. As soon as I was legal, I was straight in there. I was 15, yeah. and it, it end, I could have been chopped up in the freezer somewhere, to be honest, when I'm looking back at it, because some of my behaviors were very questionable at the time, especially with, like, online chatting with elder men and stuff like that. And looking back at it now, oh, my God, I could easily have been groomed into something if I hadn't been careful. Exactly. 
and and I I I sometimes when when I hear younger guys who get into the fetish scene and it just seemed they get younger and younger and younger. I was I was 21, 22 before I first started engaging with it. Um and I've always had the attraction, but I was always very scared to kind of explore that side of me. Um, but when I when I finally started, it was a little bit like the floodgates opened, and then it had to be that way. I, I vanilla sex doesn't. Um, oh, I enjoy a cuddle, and I, I can do completely vanilla sex if I want to. But I'm very much a gear stays on type of person. I I I that's why. I don't like trigger porn because they are very hot in their gear in trigger porn, but they take the gear off too quickly. <laughs> it's so annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm definitely a gearhead when it comes to that. Um, I, the thing is that some of my close friends, they're straight friends, they know that I wear leather most of the time. And the times that I don't wear leather, they're like, are you okay? What's happening? <laughs> and they're actually serious about it. And because I, for me, it's part of me. For me, I don't want to just have it out for special occasions. It's, you know, there's different types. You know, you're not going to be in full leather, head to toe, as in, you know, uniform-wise, every day. And work-wise, doesn't necessarily work because I work in a school. <laughs> that would be problematic, yes. <laughs> But um, it's, you know, it's always there. It's like a limb to me. It's not an extra thing that you add on. It's part of who I am, I think. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle um, then rather than a fashion choice. Yeah, I mean, in a way, a lifestyle is almost like a choice sometimes. But for me, it's like, you know, the fact that I've got brown eyes, I can't change that. And it's part of, you know... The, me yeah. so it's hard to, to separate the two the only reason why i would separate the two is for professional reasons you know even then uh things happened and kids found my interview with recon right. that i did in 2016 i think and as you know within a few hours the whole school knew so i had to speak to my land manager and his first reaction was like, how the hell did they find that? Yeah, you should question like, what were they searching for and why were they searching for it? <laughs> exactly. So, to cut it short, I had to go through a lot of interviews with my line managers and including the head teacher. Yeah. And considering that I work in a religious school, <laughs> it was special. But um, in the end, they watched the video and said, you know, we can't do anything about it because, well, we don't want to do anything about it because um, it's an interview. So we don't see you naked. You're not engaging in, you know, intercourse with somebody else. And so in that sense, you know, this is the end of the story. And they even added, and this is the reason why I love where I work now, hmm. It's because it's quite open. I think we've got an LGBTQ plus club for the kids. A lot of staff are uh, part of the LGBTQ plus community and not an issue. We actually, we actually celebrate it. 
which is very rare. I've worked probably in two schools, and this is a, one of the two schools where you feel like you're accepted as whoever you are. Doesn't matter. You know, it's about who you are as a person, as in are you a good person or not. That's, that matters. But ultimately, that kind of opened up another door. And now that the kids know, well, I said the kids, but the students know, they, um, they're open about conversations about LGBTQ plus issues. Um, it's not so taboo because you've taken a subject and kind of humanized it that just because this is a part of you doesn't make it all of you and it's nothing secret yeah. or shady about it and it's good in a way because they already knew me as a person before that and then some of them saw me at Pride and I was in full regalia walking with Bluff and marching with uh, Bluff and they saw me and then screamed, Stand! <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, 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 yeah. Just, just bury and me I, now. I, I, oh. yeah. <laughs> but they were really kind of happy about it. And then I said, okay, I'll give them a high five and then move on. And it's really down to your reaction as well. Because you've, you've, seen, you've, you've seen a couple of situations in the last couple of years, a lot of like uh, a section of, the LGBTQ plus community that's a little bit criticizing having fetish present at Pride, which has been a problematic thing. Um, but it's it's like you say, you just went over a high five and they move on with their lives. It's not necessarily going to damage them for the rest of their lives. They just see mm -hmm. someone who's happy in themselves, happy being their authentic self. And it's like most kids were like, why is that man wearing leather? It's like, or he, he just likes dressing like that. And they'll move on. They'll go on as like, I want an ice cream. And then that's it. Yeah. It's not, not a big deal. Uh, it's, it's exactly that. They don't really, we're not that important in people's lives. It's like that man is dressing funny. Why is that? And then they'll move yeah, on. It's, a it's very, very easy. You don't even have to explain it that deeply. You just go like, if you want to wear this, you wear this. Exactly, and uh, I mean, came to the point where some of them were a bit cheeky at, at work and would say, "So, come, come here. Um, did you see my shoes? They're leather. Do you like them?" <laughs> it's like all about boundaries. Even, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Yeah. My answer, my answer was like, "Right, first of all, this was two years ago, <laughs> so we've moved on. Secondly, do you want to discuss that with one of my land managers?" No. Oh, okay, we find them. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, it's how you deal with it. You know, you don't, I don't think you have to be the, oh no, don't talk to me, you know, you're only a kid. I think it's, a, you know, you don't need to go into the details. No, 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 no. It's about how you respond to people, regardless of if they're pupils or they're human beings. So it's just about, when you react to it. Well, well, um, to, to you, you get people who are curious. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, if, if I'm out in full lever, if I feel safe with the person who approaches me with a question, I have no issue answering a question. Of course, if I feel a bit intimidated, if I'm in the street and three lads come up and can be a bit, who are a bit loud or a bit drunk, 
that makes me uncomfortable because I don't know how they're going to react to seeing me. But if, 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 if I'm sitting on the underground and there's a couple that's kind of like, oh, this is a bit different and starts a conversation, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. And sometimes it's really easy and they're just curious. Yeah, it's true. I mean, my negative experience while wearing leather is very minimal. Mm. Uh, oh, oh it's the typical leather. one, someone sticking their head out of the car, like, village people! Yeah. And then... Uh, so, I had the the odd, oh, new faggot through the window. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. okay. They're so brave and... doing it in a car. <laughs> Yes. Um, just on the way, because I was in Seoul uh, a couple of hours ago, um, and I came back on the train in, in gear, and I had a couple of youngsters looking, say, oh, look at that one. Mm. It doesn't bother me as long as you don't come and try and start a fight. You know, it's okay. I'm not going to react to you and go, but... It's it's you know. it's about uh, not being defensive right away. If if they are clearly being homophobic or taking the piss, of course, yeah. Either just completely ignore it or approach it calmly. Um, I was it just uh, this must have been late last year. I was at went to Back Street, had a good time, and my friend was staying with me, so we traveled back. We're both in full leather. At one point, these three lads walks into the train, a little bit drunk, quite calm, all of them Danish. I'm Danish. So they start talking in Danish about me and my friend. If I'm honest, I've been waiting for 10 years to that, for that to happen. So I just let them talk. I just let them talk. And they, they, they weren't offensive. They were just like, oh, look at those lever gays. Nothing, they weren't homophobic. They were just kind of having a laugh. And it's like, this looks a bit different. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. And then they talked about something else. And then when we got up to leave, they kind of engaged with, oh, look, the gays are getting off now. And I just decided to walk straight through them, turn around and just say in Danish, have a good night, boys. They looked shocked, but it was <laughs> beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, it happens. I mean, in my case, because I speak French, um, there's a lot of French people <laughs> in London, so I always like to hear what people are saying, and I don't necessarily suspect that I, I speak French because I don't necessarily look like the typical French, whatever that is. Mm. So, well, so far, I haven't had that joy yet. So, oh, it, it, it made me feel so good, <laughs> it made me feel so good, and I've been waiting for 10 years for that to happen. So, I was just like, I mean, oh, perfect, especially like. <laughs> guys who are in their like early 20s for, out for a good time in London and then it's like yes I'm gonna do this it was so good it was such a confidence boost and they weren't nasty they weren't nasty in what they said they just registered us and kind of made a a bit of a loud joke about it and that's fine I'm, I'm not offended by that I mean um, the first time I did um, Pride to London and um we had buses, so you could get on a bus, just leave people through the, you know, onto the bus. And um, I was so excited. I was like, this is the pride thing that I've always 
wanted to be part of. Mm. This is happening. So I got on there. And um, you see people's reactions. Um, I'd say 99% of the people you waved at, you waved back and smiled. And said, what, what is happening? Or who are those guys? Usually straight women are in love. <laughs> They're like, woo! I wish my fella was wearing the same oh, stuff. Oh, I see a lot of straight men where it's like, if I put you in full lever, I would be doing bad things to you. <laughs> and plus, I, you know, I've been to um, Tochi Garden where it's mixed, and it, it's not only a gay thing. Yeah. Definitely not. So, um, when I got on there, I, I could see people's reactions, and there were some random families who were visiting London <laughs> with their children, looking like, what? what is happening? Who are those people? And I'm like, you need to plan your things in advance. Yeah, you, you need to check the calendar and what's going on in London <laughs> when you come visit, yes. But it was, it was more of a surprise rather than, oh, this is disgusting. Um, which again kind of leads to that question of should leather man or rubber man or kinky man be representing in during Pride? And my answer to that is uh, yeah, because mm. we are still gay, you know, we're still part of the community. We are not having sex outside. Yeah. That's the point, is it? And uh, there was a conversation. A conversation or can I call it a conversation or just a, a statement on my Facebook once from somebody who I hardly knew anyway. I don't usually engage in those. It happened twice. Yeah. And that particular time was a picture of someone who's into pop play and next to a little girl. And the girl being curious. Yeah. So, I think I've seen this picture. And the comment was do you think this is okay? But kind of knowing that person, it was not a real question. It was a case of who agrees with me that it's not okay. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 a, it's a loaded question, yes. And I thought, okay, you know, in my, you know, the way I see it, it's a kid. The pup was not naked. For the kid, the way she looked at the human pop was like, ooh, like, almost like a teddy bear. What is happening? It's yeah. cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that kids that age sexualize things and understand things as a, If, if they do, there's definitely a problem somewhere uh, and it's something that people get into. <laughs> yeah, so uh, even when it comes to leather, when a kid sees you in leather, they think, ooh, a superhero. And I've seen that many times. I, uh, I, I wear tall boots with laces, mm. and one kid stopped and said, "Oh, you're like a wrestler." <laughs> well, yeah, we do wrestle <laughs> people sometimes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go to the gym, but so for I think for for kids, it's not it's not sexualized at all. Which is nice. I, I think anyway. it's it's it also comes into how do you interact when yeah. when a kid sees a puppy, what is the appropriate interaction? Is the parents okay with the kid going over and doing this on the head? 
of course, nothing more than that. But it's, 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 it's about the puppy and the parents connecting, for finding out what's appropriate here and what the and parents again, are comfortable with. Again, parents are responsible for the child. Yeah. So you're the one making the decisions. Yeah. And to be yeah. honest, pub play for most people and a lot of people, especially in the pub community, it's not necessarily a sexual thing. It's, it's just a, a, a sub part of their okay. personality. And, and, and for some, a lot of people, it's a coping mechanism because like huge crowds can be problems for a lot of puppies. But when they're in pub mode, it doesn't matter because they're in pub mode. They've just kind of left that it's personality cool. behind. I mean, a lot of fetishes, even leather for me, mm. I don't think, you know, because we all have that kind of ideal ideal it's not gonna deal with it it's a, it's a fantasy thing saying oh the man has to be a big man with a deeper voice and uh super musty super huge man. which is nice to look at <laughs> <laughs> yes but it's not you know it's not that's not it you know someone who's actually in who knows who they are and that sounds like a big question and it is a big question but don't actually take time to think about it. If you know who you are, that makes that kind of um, shines out from within, and that makes you attractive. Yeah, being attractive is not necessarily just about you know the way you look, whatever way you look. Either you're big or small, whatever. Uh, it's about it's it's a reflection of where you're at within yourself. Mm. And I'm not a psychologist or anything. I'm just <laughs> saying this from experience. Well, it um, depends. Can... Like, I, I think as a fetish man, especially if you are a dominant guy, you kind of need to know a little bit about how the human brain works and how to tackle, especially a sub, if you put them in subspace. You can't just leave them fucking hanging out there and just beat them senseless and they don't know what's going on. You need to, it's all about recovery time and, and, and taking care. And you need to know a little bit about people to do that. It's a, a lot of it is interaction psychology. Yeah, 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 That's absolutely. It, it comes a lot of like, oh God, if, if, if you could find a master who's also like a therapist and so on, oh my God, the play you could get into with that, I think. The very does exist. <laughs> so, um, but for me, even though um, leather is part of me and I like to wear it every day, it gives me it gives me that extra feeling of feeling oh, you know, and I've seen it at the leather social where you you've got some people who might be straight, mm -hmm. who might be gay, and who come to you and I say okay, do you want to try this on? Try the hat on? Try the and their attitude changes within seconds. I'm, I'm, so they're I'm exactly like, the same way. I think I mentioned it this last week. When I put leather on, my body posture changes. I stand much more. Okay, I, I put my boots on, which is yay. It's like fucking platforms. Right? Don't tell the secrets. <laughs> well, I, I gain like almost 10 centimeters in height, which helps when I've already, I'm all, almost like, I'm 182 tall. Uh, so just under six feet. So it's, it's it, just putting the boots on just elevates you as well. But it's the leather jacket, the broad shoulders. You just it's it's 
I think the word menacing it might be the wrong word to use, but you become a little bit more intrusive, a little bit more, um, you take more space in a room, if you could say. Yeah, uh, definitely. For me, it's almost like an, a knight's armor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's the process of putting it on that's as pleasurable as wearing it. So, you know, it's, it's, in a way, it adds something to us every time we wear it. And in that sense, it's probably, it puts us in a different headspace. Same thing as a puppy player would would have, right? Mm. So when they put the puppy hood on, they feel like, oh, I'm not exactly the same person. Maybe it's a, a different expression of the same person. So sometimes it helps with social anxiety as well, as you said. I, it's, it's I, so when, when, when I used to do puppy play, it was, it was very much a release for me because I could kind of just because I, as I've mentioned in the previous episode, I suffer with anxiety, I suffer with depression. And, and just going into that space of relying on completely on someone else and just being there, being the pup, being that dog that just wants to please the master, it's a very simple way of being, but it's very freeing as well. You don't have to think, you just have to feel. And it's you just, a space you just of... have to poop, eat, and fuck, or whatever. It, it's just the way it is. It's very simple. I do sometimes envy the life of a dog. It must just be glorious and, and very simple life. It depends who your owner is. <laughs> That's correct. You can get some pictures of owners, I would say. But it's, um, you might not, many people might not actually know, but... Um... I'm into pop play as well, and the only reason why. Pop with a handler. Oh, actually, as a pop. Oh, 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 I did not know that. So, so, and my pop name is my partner who gave me the name, and it's Titan. Now, the thing is that that's I remember your video from your election as Mr. Leather Europe. Oh, now we're going going back like 11, 12 years now. Yes. And, and I was like, see, it's hanging right there. Show off. <laughs> if, if you have it flaunted, I know that it's, kind of, it's something I'm very proud of. Exactly. And it's, you should be. Yeah. By the way, I should really, I want to see it at the Lens Social at some point. Not the sash. I, I won't wear the sash because I'm not current. Yeah. I'll, wear the, I'll wear the waistcoat. That's fine. Okay. That's a deal. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it helps with your self-confidence. And actually, I think it's one of the rare times and when I wear leather, it makes me feel comfortable and at home wherever I go. So it's like, it's one of the rare times where you can let go of other things, you know, your, your social you know, problems, personal problems, family problems, whatever. I just feel like it's comfortable. And I mean, yeah, wearing it when it's hot, it's not necessarily technically Comfortable. Are you <laughs> saying leather is not comfortable? What are you talking about? <laughs> of course it's comfortable it all the time, and that's why I put, decided to put full gear on tonight. I'm, uh, I'm cheating a little bit tonight with my comfortable. Very disappointing. I'm very disappointed in you. No. I'm wearing a waistcoat, <laughs> and I'm, I'm wearing a chain. I'm alluding to people that I might be owned, but who has the key? It's all very mysterious. 
There you go. Yeah, yeah. Mine, well, mine is bigger than yours, so it's fine. It's not about the size, but we do. It's this. all about the size. <laughs> People who say it's not about the size of small padlocks. I don't know. We, well, that's the reason because it's it's, it's my uh, my own and I've got the key. He's <laughs> only got the key. You are very independent. <laughs> or I loved. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe you should talk with your partner after this. Yeah, he's very vanilla. Oh. Uh, but, uh, well, this does is... work as well. I, I need, I need where one is vanilla and one is not. We've been together for 11 years, so wow. something is working. You're like, an, um, you're like an old married couple. <laughs> kind of, really. I can um, get away with saying that because I already know you. So that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's um, yeah, um, it's it's a thing that I've always been thinking about because when we met, I was at at that stage where I thought, okay, I'm gonna date people who are kinky. Yeah. Or like same thing as me, right? Um, and it turned out that we just met and never thought that it was gonna go far, and and here we are, eleven years afterwards, you know. Still feels like it was yesterday we met. So, uh, at the same time, talking to other guys who are kinky, I've heard of you know some guys who would have who met their partner in the kink world. Yeah, and one of them grows out of it. So there's no recipe. There's no. It's not. There's no one way to get a successful relationship. It's not because you you're both kinky. And then that's gonna work out. It's not because one is not kinky and the other one is, then you won't work out. So it depends on maybe the other things that you have in common. I think. Well, it's it, it's 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 you. you I, I think building a relationship purely on kink can probably be an issue because, as you say, sometimes you'll be more into lover and sometimes you won't, and sometimes you might move on from it, and it's just. It comes in a little bit in waves and chapters and, and how much you engage with it. There was definitely a point where I would engage in fetish every weekend and it was just do 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 and it had to be that. Now I'm, well, I'm a bit older and, and, and I enjoy other things in my life as well. I, I sing with the London Gay Men's Chorus that you know. Um, and all of a sudden it's like I'm engaging with other aspects of life. It doesn't have to be purely fetish. It doesn't have to be purely about sex all the time um i've definitely had to learn how to interact with other gay men and not necessarily bring fisting up in the second sentence which would normally happen um and i've had situations where some gay men don't want to talk about sex and it's they're not comfortable they get very british about it and i've never experienced that before and all of a sudden it's like oh shit i don't know what to talk about now just like is am i one trick pony how am i gonna do this so it's, no, it's now, so that always works. Hmm? you've got thing in so that always works um there's another thing that i noticed that in in the king scene a lot of people actually have a passion as well yeah more than one most of the time but you know a, a lot of people are musicians i personally sing in pubs and play the guitar so it's another thing that i've done aside um, when I was a kid, I was very much into drawing because I was not 
I was a bit shy or more than a bit. So I liked to do things by myself rather than try and interact with other kids or whatever. And my way of making friends was to draw. People came to see it and went, oh, I like that. And that's how you start a conversation. And they asked me to draw something for them and I'll do it. And that's how I made friends. So I think... Oh, can, I, can, I, can I interrupt you a little bit? We are actually running out of time. Uh, we almost had an hour already. Um, we're literally down oh. to the last minute. Um, we could probably keep talking and, 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 and about everything. It's, do you know what? It's been very a pleasure to have you on. And, and do you have any advice to any, just keep it really short. We're down to one minute now. Uh, keep it short. What would you advise to someone who's breaking into the, in, to the, the environment? Of uh, Who, when, when someone is new to the leather scene, what, what would you, short advice from that? Go and speak to anybody okay. who's into leather. Okay. You don't need leather. You, it's nice to have it, but it takes a long time, so you need to be patient. Okay. Go and speak to people. Brilliant. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And Thanks for having me. Of course. And with the technical issues, we managed to sort it out. <laughs> Now you know me okay. even better. <laughs> Have a great evening and thank you for being on. Bye. Thank you very much for joining in and watching. This is the last 10 seconds. So thank you for joining in with Real Clear Fetish Talks, Real Clear Play. I'll see you next week for our next guest. Thank you. Bye. Keep safe.